Hello, I'm Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm recording this on Tuesday, July 18, 2023, and tomorrow on Wednesday, July 19, 2023, I will be recording another audio commentary as I continue going through Season 5 of Bungo Stray Dogs. Last time we looked at Season 5, Episode 1 of Bungo Stray Dogs, Episode 51 overall, titled The Strongest Man. Today we're doing audio commentary on Season 5, Episode 2, Episode 52 overall, titled The Answer to Everything. This audio commentary is released Wednesday night after the premiere of the episode and is available for any patrons at the $5 tier at patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. And then this commentary will be public and free by Monday night to watch on YouTube or listen via the podcast RSS link in the description. There is also a spoiler warning for all of Bungo Stray Dogs, and I do mean all of it, up to chapter 108 of the Bungo Stray Dogs manga, as well as a spoiler warning for the films, stage plays, light novels, and audio dramas. We'll talk about what to expect in today's episode in a moment. Before we do, there is a lot I want to cover, so... I better add some timestamps for what I missed or got wrong. You can skip ahead to those points in the audio commentary. The timestamps are in the description. Let's start with some details I got wrong or just missed in the previous episode. The first thing I got wrong. I really did not give enough credit to the title of last week's episode. Season 5 episode 1 was titled The Stronger Man. I should have realized that episode title is a continuation of the earlier discussion between Theodore and Dazai last season regarding Sigma. Theodore says that a desperate person is stronger than anyone with an ability or any person in a position of power. That we now had Dazai practically agreeing with Theodore's argument is something. First, we had Dazai point out that, well, Rompo has no ability, and yet he is the strongest in the agency, so Theodore was correct, ironically. Second, we then had Dazai recruiting Sigma to his side during the prison duel in the manga, which we should get to soon in the anime. This all demonstrates how Dazai plays Theodore's argument against him. Oh, you think someone without an ability can be the strongest person? Fine, then Rompo is the strongest member of the agency, also, I'm stealing your Sigma. This is how My Hero Academia should have handled Izuku's story. The strongest person is not the one with the superpower. It can be someone who does something important with or without a superpower. The second thing I got wrong. I didn't recognize the pair that Juno was peeling. To me, it looks like an apple. But sure enough, there is a pair species native to East Asia. It was even referred to as such in manga, so my mistake there. I also did not pay enough attention to how Sigma's ability affected Atushi. I appreciate that the story did tease out the question. If both Atushi and Lucy were infected by Hawthorne, how come only one of them went comatose? Before revealing... It wasn't Hawthorne's ability, it was Sigma's ability affecting Atushi. Too bad I forgot, and then got wrong the mystery regarding Kamui. I had said there was no way for Rompo to know about Kamui. I can suspend disbelief and say he's just that good a detective, I can ignore this, but I can't ignore that I got wrong how Atushi knew about Kamui. It turns out the information from Sigma was accurate with regards to how Kamui was targeting the agency, and what I forgot was Rompo completed kidnapping the agency members before Kamui could kill them. I also didn't recognize the 807 explosion site mentioned in this episode. I didn't see it when skimming the manga before watching and rereading the manga more carefully. It is mentioned there. It's referred to as former Ground Zero Site 807 Main Road. I searched online and couldn't find any information what exactly this place is. I assume this is more world building to pay off another time. It appears to be near a major city, so likely Yokohama, with a guard facility of some type outside the crater. 
maybe this is where ability users can be executed with sufficient force. Until the question of what is Site 807 is answered, I'm not confident that Bungo Stray Dogs will end anytime soon. Maybe what Site 807 is will be the final mystery of the series. Maybe Site 807 is where Theodore will be executed, or Fukuchi, or maybe even Atushi. I guess we'll see. Also, is 807 a pun in Japanese, or is it a literary reference? If you have any information, please share it in the comments section. Probably the biggest oversight I made, aside from at one point referring to Fukuzawa as Kamui instead of Fukuchi as Kamui, the biggest oversight I made in the previous audio commentary has to do with Gogol. Last time I mentioned that getting a read on Gogol is difficult. While I appreciate that a little bit of Gogol goes a long way, given how powerful his personality is, and how much mystery there is to him, you still need to get the audience more insight into his personality and goals so that the audience can understand where he's coming from. Not necessarily agree with him, just understand his motivations. Two scenes are in the manga, but missing in the anime. The first missing scene is Gogol pulling his hat onto Sigma's head when discussing his plan to kill Theodore. That is disappointing that Studio Bones didn't include this scene. That is a big misstep, both in staging and in showing that Gogol is a silly guy. The second missing scene is Gogol showing that, despite his silliness, there is a melancholy to him. I didn't notice at all how Studio Bones did not animate Gogol's facial reaction when hearing Theodore's words in that flashback. This is supposed to be like Koya in Oron High School Host Club, the first time he really figures out who Tamaki is, and Studio Bones just didn't do that with Gogol, and that's a shame. Fortunately, an illustrator who goes by the username Kriantzi, that's C-R-E-A-N-T-Z-Y on Tumblr, did such an animation showing how Gogol reacts to Theodore's words. It is excellent animation. It fixes something that I didn't mention last time, that the animation gets cheap by Studio Bones to avoid animating Gogol walking over to Sigma. I was bothered re-watching that scene and realizing they didn't want to animate Gogol's walking motion, so they just cut to Sigma then back to Gogol, but when Kriansi does it, they clean this up. They cut away from Gogol in one spot, away from Sigma, cut to the flashback, then cut back to Gogol, now standing closer to Sigma. It keeps movement going. It keeps the motion in place to show we cut from Gogol, cut to the flashback, show Theodore, show Gogol, now back to Sigma. That staging and editing is so good. It's like if you took the best parts of something out of Animation Studio Shaft and added it to Studio Bones, and that's what Creancy's animation provided. Please check out Creancy's animation. A link is in the description, and you can find this animation at Creancy, C-R-E-A-N-T-Z-Y dot Tumblr dot com. I also want to talk about the opening title sequence introduced for Season 5, as well as a weird error I made. I had gone in thinking Graham Rodeo had done this opening as well as the opening for Season 4, completely forgetting that, no, it was Scream Mode that did the Season 4 opening. I regret that mistake. While discussing the opening title sequence last time, I didn't give credit to certain parts of that opening, which enough people online did. I'll bullet point a few of these details. The opening shows how Rampo and Fukuchi are set up as parallels to each other. The two options that Fukuzawa has to choose from. Is he going to join Fukuchi or is he going to continue to protect Rampo? The opening also shows how Dazai and Theodore are counterparts to each other, constantly shifting the images between them, which, yeah, this is one of my insults about the character designs. Dazai and Theodore practically look identical to me, so a little more differentiation in the designs would have been appreciated. The new opening also has Atushi and Akutsugawa swapping colors. Usually, 
Atushi is more often in blue, Akutsugawa more often in red. This is to demonstrate not only how they swap roles now and then given their power sets and maybe hinting at a beast adaptation in the future, but also to show how much each has influenced the other. This is related to the yin yang quality to the character, seen as Atushi in the manga has a black streak in his hair and that's supposed to look like how Akutsugawa has white streaks in his hair, that the two balance each other because there's already a little bit of one in the other. But then the opening has Akutsugawa obliterated and wipes off of the screen in the opening. That's ominous foreshadowing because, yeah, something's gonna happen to Akutsugawa this season. This opening is prepping you to get ready for that. And speaking of Akutsugawa, I have discussed repeatedly how Season 5 likely won't have a light novel adaptation this season, just based on the episode counts. Then someone online had a new idea. Because this season will feature Dazai approaching Akutsugawa to ask him to help save Atushi, that would be a callback to the short story titled The Heartless Cur which is included in Volume 6 of the Bungo Stray Dogs manga. In this short story, we see Akutsugawa's origin story, about how Dazai recruited him and Akutsugawa's sister Gin into the Port Mafia. The staging of Dazai recruiting Akutsugawa in the short story, and the staging of Dazai asking Akutsugawa to rescue Atushi are set up in similar fashion, Similar paneling, similar descriptions, similar borders, same goal. The online theory is that we won't get a full adaptation of that short story. Rather, we'll get visual cues and settings from that story appearing in a flashback to reinforce how this is again Dazai asking Okutsugawa to do something and Dazai again manipulating Okutsugawa to once again convince him to once again sacrifice his life for something or someone else. Forgive me for making this more obvious, but being Okutsugawa is suffering, and this season, Okutsugawa will suffer. One last thing I'll say about Okutsugawa. Later in the manga, we see Fukuchi offering Okutsugawa to join the hunting dogs, and we even get an imagined spot showing Okutsugawa in the hunting dog's outfit. It is a disturbing image, just given how fascistic and militaristic the hunting dogs are, and Okutsugawa is not the only one who could end up a hunting dog in the future. Last episode, I had mentioned Kunikida seemed to seriously consider that job offer to join the hunting dogs. And the staff behind Bungo Stray Dogs has made a lot of artwork of the cast in various uniforms. Not all quite militaristic, but some close enough. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, beyond that the signs indicate we could see more of these characters in military attire, whether to infiltrate the military or because some of them will eventually be recruited into the military. Mori, Yosano, to an extent Fukuzawa are all veterans. It would not shock me to see younger characters of our story get forcefully conscripted into the hunting dogs. Given that Kunikita seemed like he was seriously considering joining the hunting dogs and how we will see Fukuchi try to recruit Akutagawa, that seems like a tease to pay off with someone we're not expecting to be revealed as joining them at the end of this story arc. Maybe we bring back Shirashe from The Sheep or Steinbeck, or is that a bit too much given the likelihood that Yosano, Tanazaki, or both will be conscripted into the Port Mafia and continuing to have these shocking reveals of allegiances changing is just a bit too much. On the other hand, if you look back at the Season 4 opening title sequence when it scans through all of those different characters and puts them in colors related to what their affiliation is, maybe someone who isn't me with my color blindness can go back and see who was colored in ways similar to the hunting dogs or governmental officials and that foreshadowing that change in alliance. 
let's move on to today's episode. On Tuesday, July 18, 2023, Kadokawa released the trailer for Season 5, Episode 2. The trailer begins with the UN bowing to Fukuchi, begging him to lead their new global police force. This is that same police force the reporter mentioned at the end of the previous episode. Meanwhile, Atushi reunites with the agency in Lucy's room by tackling Kunikita into a hug. I do appreciate that in adapting this moment, Studio Bones seems to be making a revision. They're showing Lucy alongside Kiyoka during this jump hug. That didn't happen the same way in the manga. In the manga, we see Atushi leap-hugging Kunikita, and behind them are the rest of the agency members, even Katai. So maybe I'm expecting too much, but could this please foreshadow Lucy eventually joining the agency? It's kind of silly she isn't a member yet, especially after Sky Casino and helping save Fukuzawa's life. Granted, the point of this story has been that Lucy isn't a member of the agency. That's why Fukuchi didn't keep tabs on her until it was too late and then realized that she helped the agency escape. And we're going to see this repeat in later episodes that Fukuchi has not kept up on everyone that has worked with the agency. We already saw that with Edgar Allan Poe as well, but the major arc of this story is that Fukuchi had no idea Kunikida knew Aya, so he didn't track her, and that's how Aya is going to manage to kidnap Bram Stoker from Fukuchi but we'll get to that later this season. Continuing on with the trailer, we cut back to the UN where Fukuchi is giving his speech, but we also cut around to a few different scenes in this episode. For example, we see Rompo preparing to use his ability to ascertain who is really Kamui. He's holding up his glasses, and then he accepts a bottle of Ramune from Atushi. We can see they're on this ship with Fukuchi to meet with him and discuss how to exonerate the agency, but. Then the trailer cuts back to Rompo having already met with Fukuchi at the UN. We then cut back to the ship with Fukuchi pretending to act like a silly guy so that Atushi and Rompo don't realize he is really Kamui. And this is a bit much for me. I have said in previous audio commentaries that by not making Fukuchi as silly as he is in the manga, Studio Bones isn't really throwing us off the scent that he is really Kamui, that he is in charge of the Decay of the Angel. By this point in the manga, if you were reading only that and not seeing the anime, and went to the corresponding chapter for this episode, by this point in the manga, you would have seen Fukuchi farting, drunk, hungover, vomiting, and urinating on the agency door. By this point in the anime, we haven't gotten any of that. We got a flashback adding Fukuchi to the Rompo and Fukuzawa light novel adaptation where he doesn't come across as a silly guy. He just seems like a secret supervillain that he has his back to Fukuzawa and then he smirks before he walks away after realizing Fukuzawa will compromise his code of ethics in order to get Oda's assistance. He just comes across as, hi, this is obviously Kamui, this is obviously the guy in charge of the Decay of the Angel. By the next time we see him in the anime after the Rompo and Fukuzawa light novel, he's twisting his mustache, he's trying to act like just some random dull old guy, when no, again, he's the obvious villain. We're not giving him anything to make him seem goofy enough that we think, oh, he can't be the bad guy, he's too incompetent. For the anime to now force you to see Fukuchi as this silly guy, as one last attempt to make you think he isn't really Kamui, it's a disappointing adaptation choice. If this was all to expect the audience to already have read the manga and already know how Fukuchi is Kamui, that doesn't work either. An adaptation has to simultaneously reward the audience who already knows the source material, and keep the mystery going for an audience that is encountering this story for the first time. I don't think the adaptation choices by Studio Bones work sufficiently with Fukuchi. In any case, back to the trailer, Rompo finally dons his glasses, determines who Fukuchi is, and has a flashback to his own childhood with Fukuzawa, and upon realizing Fukuchi is Kamui, Rompo drops the Ramune bottle, shattering it. I don't want to ignore what is good about the Ramune bottle shattering. It's that moment of time being frozen, and 
given all of the clocks and watches we had in the previous episode and me still thinking maybe that hints that we'll get the order of the clock tower later in the anime you know beyond the fact that they're the ones who are going to drop off one order at the airport it's a good moment it's like reading the great gatsby where at that moment gatsby just stops that object from colliding with the ground and breaking and everyone is still frozen in time because they thought it was going to break. It's that kind of a moment. This is supposed to communicate everything Rompo thought has shattered just like this bottle. I don't want to ignore what is good about the shattering. It feels like a symbol that is being given more weight than it should be able to handle. We know Rompo is a kid at heart and he still enjoys sweets so yeah, I can see this as Rompo's past and his innocence being shattered, but we kind of already shattered Rompo's confidence in himself. It got shattered during the light novel that was adapted where he almost got killed by Five or V or whatever you want to call the group. We already saw it get shattered when he couldn't beat Theodore and facing off against Ogre, he realized he had to be as vicious as Theodore. Maybe this is the last crack in it, which... You know, if it was me, maybe this could be restaged in a more interesting fashion. If instead of the bottle shattering, over time we just saw Rompo's glasses getting more and more of a crack in them. I know that wouldn't make sense. Rompo wouldn't be so irresponsible to not swap out the glasses for new ones. Although, you know, Rompo has had those glasses for 12 years now at least. He probably has swapped them out or... Hasn't anyone given him a new prescription? I mean, I know they're not those kind of glasses. They're just ones Fukuzawa picked up during his travels from a gift shop. But in any case, why couldn't we have the glasses get more and more chipped over time as Rompo loses more and more confidence in himself? And then once he realizes Fukuji is Kamui, the glasses just crack even further, just showing that this vision... This world of color that Fukuzawa gave him all the way at the beginning of season 4 is gone. I don't know. The first time we saw Rompo solve a case was in season 1 and that was the same episode where he was drinking from the ramenade bottle and he wants the marble so he asked the secretary Kirika at the agency to get the marble out so she took the direct approach of just smashing it with a hammer. That in part demonstrated Rompo is smart but doesn't necessarily take the direct action to get to a solution. We saw how he was so complicated in rescuing the agency members because that would trick people and throw them off the scent. Is this to show that he is now taking a direct approach that you smash the bottle and that demonstrates that he is taking a direct approach to just say uh yeah Atushi that guy over there that's Kamui. Fukuchi is Kamui. We are so screwed. And even then, I'm not quite believing what I'm arguing because Rompo is going to escape. And before he does, he tries to warn Atushi, hey, here's what Fukuchi's ability is. I know the point is to show that Rompo didn't prepare for the possibility that Fukuchi could be the bad guy. Why at no point Rompo told Atushi, Oh, by the way, Fukuchi's ability is that he can extend the length of any weapon he's holding to reach across a distance. Why didn't Rompo mention that at any point to Atushi before they went to meet with him just to say, in case he tries to attack us, you should know that this is what his ability is. I know there's the Alfred Hitchcock reason, which is Rompo doesn't tell Atsushi so that the audience is excited to see what comes next. A lot of this just feels missing, incomplete, or upon rewrite, maybe could have been more interesting. Otherwise, what was the point of the bottle shattering? Is this only to show Rompo's end of innocence? Is it a callback to that time he asked Kirika, get the marble out so she took the direct approach and just shared the bottle or am i overreading all of this probably based on this trailer which chapters do i think will be adapted in today's episode if the episode is titled the answer to everything that's a close enough version of how yen press translated chapter 83's title into english the translation they use isn't the answer to everything the translation is toward the complete answer i said before it was possible episode two would adapt up to the point where rompo figures out 
Fukuchi is Kamui, leader of the Decay of the Angel, and then the rest of Chapter 83 would be saved for Episode 3. Granted, that would be odd to not adapt all of the chapter with the same name. Chapter 83 is toward the complete answer, but I don't think Episode 2 is going to adapt all of Chapter 83, and that's odd. But it's not without precedence. Episode 1 this season adapted The Strongest Man Part 1 from the manga, and then adapt the rest of it, which is The Strongest Man Part 2. Instead, those parts from The Strongest Man Part 2 will appear in today's episode, that being Minora helping Rompo escape from the police. So, there is precedence that just because an episode title matches something from the manga chapter title doesn't mean you're going to have a one-to-one -one correspondence in this episode must adapt this chapter. This is adaptation, there aren't any hard and firm laws. So, which chapters do I think will be adapted today? In previous discussions, I had tossed out the idea that maybe Episode 2 would adapt up to the beginning of Atushi's fight against Fukuchi. I'm not convinced that will happen in this episode. Instead, I expect Episode 3 will start with Rompo escaping into Poe's book, Atushi having to protect Poe's book from Fukuchi so that Fukuchi can't kill Rompo, and then the rest of Episode 3 will be Atushi versus Fukuchi with flashbacks to Fukuchi's origin story, then episode 3 will end on a cliffhanger where Akutsugawa reveals himself and joins the battle. Let's see how much I get wrong. We begin this live reaction audio commentary to the newest Bungo Stray Dogs episode, episode 52 overall, season 5, episode 2, titled The Answer to Everything. It is now July 19, 2023. I had today's episode pulled up and paused. You can watch this episode on the Crunchyroll website, then pause the episode right before it starts. I will do a countdown, so after I finish saying 3, 2, 1, unpause, you can unpause the episode and watch along with my audio commentary. Everyone ready? Okay, starting the countdown. 3, 2, 1, unpause. As we begin with Rompo in police custody and how quickly we're already getting to his escape, which I'm not as big a fan of Russian, we are getting the iconography here mimicking what we got in the Rompo and Fukuzawa light novel that began season four, which I appreciate the parallels. I'm not quite sure how this overwhelms the abilities of the book. Beyond the fact that Minora is someone who was using his own instincts rather than depending on what the evidence is in front of him with what the book manipulated in that evidence. It's a bit of the cheat with the book being defied by gut instincts. We're skipping a lot of the action to actually show a fight. I guess we're saving that for Fukuchi versus Atushi and Akutagawa. And the parallel here that Rompo also acting now with gut instincts. Minora basically being like Lupin the Third's antagonist here is enjoyable. And again, we see that coloration on Okutsugawa in the opening, him getting more of the blues. As people online also pointed out, getting a bit of red around his neck given what's going to happen to him in the finale. Or rather, the ending to the fight against Fukuchi. I didn't notice the sinking city there. I almost want to call that a Mark Twain reference with Atushi, but that doesn't quite work. I'm still not a fan of using generic backgrounds over pre-existing animation just to do what is a clip show of the characters. And 
not to start a rant against why artificial intelligence is awful, but this opening is very AI influenced in terms of intercutting the images, adding little graphic effects to make it look like one image being corrupted digitally into another. That would be fascinating if this had anything to do at all with digital espionage, which that's not what this arc is. This arc is vampires and stuff. If we want the digital stuff, that would have been season three with Katai, and even Katai wasn't very relevant in that season. Fish eyes again. I don't like the staging. I really wish we had made the scope of that image bigger. Lucy being so adorably supportive and having a better relationship with Kiyoka. I think it was in the manga Kunikida saying as long as... Okay, so yeah, he does say the line about as long as we have the doctor, we'll be fine. I didn't remember Yosano taking agency, which I appreciate, although since we last saw her being demoralized, all of this is very quick, and it's supposed to show how upbeat and quickly, I do like bringing Lucy in again, how upbeat and quickly they overcome and rise to the next occasion, but everyone here needs therapy. They all need help, and to just sweep under the rug everything they just went through for a kind of reboot is a bit much. Okay, I guess we're going there. Let's see if they do the stupid Fuguchi vomiting scene. You're trying to get a gag with his face, yeah, and sure enough. And again, when we find out later that so much of this is an act, it undermines the joke. It undermines what the story is trying to say about a shell-shocked veteran who is an alcoholic. I hate it, Studio Bones. I don't know, I've been reading My Hero Academia, it's kind of hard to keep track when a life ends. You know, there's almost something dynamic you could do comparing climate change to the T-word, and this story is not pointed off like it should. We will unite justice throughout the world. Oh, brother. The one world government idea in this series is really disturbing in terms of both how that could exist, but also how this story is perpetuating harmful conspiracy theories around the idea of how dare countries collaborate. It's not good in either regard, and reducing Fukuchi to just a fascist who wants control over the entire world to wipe out borders and end all wars by installing himself as a fascist. There is so much here that is just embarrassingly frustrating if you are supporting pacifism, the end of war, the end of violence. Standard mechanical islands? It's not technically wrong calling it mechanical, another clock tower in the background, so again, hey, that order of the clock tower, but also setting up 
the 55 minutes light novel adaptation, which I kinda hope we get. I enjoyed how the manga staged this scene where everyone is initially saying we will not support a cross-boundaries police force. I'm not sure how much of their change in perspective in the manga was due to Fukuchi being announced as the leader, and how much of it was the book slowly going into effect on these people. And I really hope we don't do the stupid Fukuchi starts talking about his hang over gag. Oh no. And we're definitely coding it as he is so devoted to Fukuchi that we're to have a queer reading of this and then having Fukuchi being embarrassed, in my opinion, not because he's embarrassed at the effusive praise, but because they're trying to make a joke of, isn't it funny when a man is so devoted to another man that comes across as queer? Which is bothersome for so many reasons, not the least of which reducing queerness to a joke, but also, given Fukuchi's relationship to Fukuzawa, it is a bizarre choice when so much of the story is about these two men being devoted to each other, and the stupid hangover joke, and the dumb laugh. My point is, is that you can't simultaneously have the story trying to build a homosocial or even queer relationship between Fukuchi and Fukuzawa and then turn around and say Fukuchi is really put off by men being this effusive in praise for him. Also, this is weirdly unrealistic, or at least unbelievable for this series, that there are no women in this audience, that it is men. Granted, I can't read the gender of every character. Maybe there are characters here who identify as non-binary. But just the failure to show women as part of this organization when we know from the light novels and supplementary material who is Ango and Taneda's boss in the Gaiden light novels. Who is in charge of the Aura of the Clock Tower? It's Agatha Christie. Where are the characters who are not men in this UN? Are we to believe it's just all men here? That would almost be appealing as an argument to say, look at how all of these leaders are men and getting it wrong, and no wonder this failed when you are not including people across all identities, but it still isn't holding up, especially because, as I hate to say it, you have Fukuchi pointing on the act of acting nervous, acting modest, not liking the men's attention, when we're going to find out later this is all an act. And seeing as this is an episode so censored on Fukuchi, no wonder I'm not liking it and more appreciate Rompo intervening here to say, I heard you talking about me. I would have given you 55 minutes, but we're not ready for that light novel. Well, character designs in this show really don't reflect age very well. Are we going to do the stupid joke?
So Banner in this version, I thought was the front door. I guess we're to appreciate Fukuchi acknowledging he screwed up there. Rompo Fukuzawa said that a long time ago, 12 years ago, a lot can change. I know in retrospect, I'm going to sit here and act like shouldn't it have been obvious that Fukuchi was the bad guy all along? Oh, I wonder what that airplane is flying in the background. That Rompo didn't get suspicious of Fukuchi and immediately thought this is our get out of jail free card. There is so much of the plotting that I wish had been different. I wish that season 4 had been Rompo's season, that we saw more of his perspective and understood that his goal from the beginning was gotta get Fukuchi, gotta get to him and he'll clear everything to really build it up. Why we in the audience should trust Fukuchi and not think immediately that he is Kamui, that he is the bad guy. I want misdirection. I want a mystery and I myself am not getting it since I know the ending, granted, but even when reading the manga, once the reveal happens that Fukuchi is Kamui, it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense and was obvious. Unlike being misdirected and joining in the mystery and wanting to hunt down the answer. I guess that's our explanation, is that Rompo, since first meeting Fukuzawa, has been so devoted to this parental figure and can't see him as Ron. The problem is, is that season 4 began with Rompo refusing Fukuzawa's order to intervene in the Decay of the Angel case, which was supposed to show Rompo finally getting away from what his father wanted and taking a different approach, and now we're back to Rompo following what his dad's orders are. I appreciate not having pointless drama between parents, but I also don't like that rather than having that drama, we just have Rompo not using his brain and just trusting what his dad says. Yeah, world justice, one world, Atushi. Oh, don't worry about offending him. Get it? He's a goofy guy. We set up so much earlier that he's a goofy guy, even though we didn't really set him up as a goofy guy and get all of it for just this episode. In case it's not clear, I don't like Fukuchi. You're not young. So that's where that flashback image that doesn't come until far later came from this episode. All of this being said, how do I put this into words? A moment ago, we had Fukuji say Rompo met Fukuzawa 13 years ago. I thought it was 12 years ago. Last episode, Rompo said he's been doing police cases for 12 years, so that does make sense. It took about a year after Fukuzawa met Rompo before the armed detective agency formed. But at least we do get the information a little bit about how Fukuzawa and Fukuchi first met. So he said it was twice the number of years ago that Rompo was only known... Fukuzawa for not even half as long as Fukuchi and Fukuzawa knew each other. Given how much time is left in the episode, I guess that means we are going to see Rompo escape into the book. Again, you could put the glasses on at any point and figure this out before you went to see 
Fukuchi, and I don't get why we're staging this beyond the it had to happen this way. This is similar to the problem I have with Asagiri deciding now Sigma will trust Fyodor, and that's how Sigma gets shot, or rather stabbed. That Rompo didn't figure this out until now is really bothersome, and it's done for the sake of drama and the Edgar Allan Poe approach of start with the ending, work backwards. Studio Bones, sometimes you need to just draw in the faces. You don't need to make everything a blank face. So I guess the ball breaking was shattering his innocence. Not a good poker face, and he already assumes Fukuchi figured him out. Not quite clear to me how. I do appreciate the animation on Rompo's clenched face. No kidding. I also like the coloring on the smoke. And, okay, so sure enough, he is using the book. That Fukuchi's attack didn't cut through Rompo. And I thought in the manga it was staged that the slice went through just as Rompo activated the book, hence why he didn't get cut. Instead, it looks like Rompo did get cut before the book went into effect. It sure would have been nice to have seen you put on multiple faces this entire season and the last season, and you didn't. Is this supposed to foreshadow Fyodor's lie that he has multiple personalities? And nothing against the voice actor here, but I'm not getting the range either of Fuguchi having these different personas. The goofy, the serious. I want more range in the voice. Yeah, your methods aren't that different from your buddy Fukuzawa. You both... I mean, if we saw... We already saw the blood Fukuzawa had. For Fukuchi, it acts like, oh, this is where our past diverged. They indeed diverged after the war was over. Fukuchi stuck with the military to keep doing whatever murder they wanted. But Fukuchi... Fukuchi has as much blood on his hands as Fukuzawa. I don't remember, so Akutsugawa, I guess, will be showing up now. Fukuchi having the page from the book out in the open. I appreciate him having it on his person. I also think it's kind of silly he would have it there knowing Atsushi could get it. Given that Fukuchi's abilities are overpowered, seeing as he can literally travel back in time, he's that confident that he can have the page on him because Atushi can never get it. It's because of stupid time travel. It's such a weird flashback to flashback to a moment ago. The only line that has any relevance, and I can already hear all the anime watchers being upset at how we now have Atushi doing the face.
I can hear enough fans getting upset of Atushi losing his trust this much and then cheering on once Akutagawa enters the scene. Nothing wrong with all of that. It's a choice, and I'm not going to pretend that there aren't good reasons for viewers to be bothered that Atushi's confidence is still this low and that Akutagawa has to be here to save his butt. What a silly last line by Akutsugawa, but then again, this is Akutsugawa, a pretty silly person. So, final thoughts. I expected a lot that I wasn't going to like in this episode, and when you go in with a negative expectation, you're going to do a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm not happy with how they handled Fukuchi. I can't quite say this is rushed. I think the moment lands with Atushi's self-doubt. Many of these problems are going to originate from the manga and you gotta take them or leave them regarding that Rampo really should have figured this out earlier and it is bothersome that he just didn't. But what can you do? He's doing the best he can with the information he has in front of him. As I said, it is bothersome that they don't put a finer point on how Rompo bounces back and forth between trusting his parental figure and distrusting him. But again, that is what it can be like. People's relationships are not static, especially between children and parents, where a child will go back and forth between agreeing with the parents and trying to find a way to stand apart from their parents. In any case, thank you so much for listening to this audio commentary. What did you think of this episode of Bungo Stray Dogs? Do you think Fukuchi was portrayed better than I'm giving the episode credit? Do you think I'm misreading that they're trying to put in potentially homophobic gags while at the same time creating a story that is showing Fukuzawa's and Fukuchi's homosocial relationship? Do you think the potentially homophobic gags about Fukuchi not liking the men being so devoted to him is ironic given his closeness to Fukuzawa, or is the story trying to say that these are shallow fixations by fans as opposed to his intense, intimate relationship with Fukuzawa? Let me know what you think. You can leave your remarks in the comments section or email me, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this commentary, coffee.com slash Derek S. McGrath or patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. Thanks to contributors Alec Roach, Emily Lauer, and Alexis Duran. Next week, I'll record audio commentary for Season 5, Episode 3, Episode 53 overall of Bungo Straight Dogs, Episode Title, Hero vs. Criminal. Until then, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good day. Bye.